Welcome back to Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980. Of course, the D.C. Defenders have been the talk of the town for the past few weeks. And obviously, the crowds are great, but more importantly, the football is getting pretty good as well. Team's off to a 3-0 start. Pleased to be joined now by the pride of Alcorn State, Chris Blair, who joins us. Chris, you know, for you and your teammates right now, let's face it, this thing is still very much a work in progress. You, you've roughly been practicing for a month. and. Uh, right now, a lot of guys getting a lot of time, but offensively, you guys this week really started to put together uh, a, a little bit more. Just thoughts on the way things are coming together uh, and just gelling a little bit more week by week for you and your teammates right now. Um, it's actually everything is really coming together. Um, we knew it would kind of be rough at first uh, due to the fact we don't really have like OTAs or like mini camp or things like that. So. We really just came in training camp, having to try to learn each other and figure each other out. So um, the chemistry is getting there. Um, we're starting to kind of catch a rhythm of everything with the offense, uh, which was a big reason why we started off fast uh, this past Sunday. So um, just continuing to build that chemistry uh, with each other, I feel like it's going to continue to improve. Yeah, the 3-0 D.C. Defenders back home at Audi Field this Sunday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Tickets still uh, available as we, you know, told you uh, on Monday here on the Team 980, uh, Chris and the DC Defenders improving to three and zero on the year by beating Seattle. Uh, you had one of the key touchdowns to kind of salt that game away. Uh, why did the offense kind of? I, I knew you guys were moving the football pretty effectively in the first half, but some turnovers, some issues, maybe the hot start, then things kind of slowed down. Why was things so much crisper, it, it seemed like, in the second half for you guys? Was something said at the half, or was it just something that you guys as a team took on? Um, it was really something that the team kind of took on. Um, we knew in the first half we had, like, some key mistakes. Um, everything that they were doing defensively, and I feel like offensively, too, is are things that we had already seen throughout the week during preparation. So, um we obviously we had the the couple the two fumbles and things like that. So um, we put our defense in bad situations too as well. Um, we just went in the locker room. Nobody panicked. Um, everybody went around encouraging everyone, letting each other know like, "Yo, we good. Like we didn't been in we didn't been in situations. We didn't been down before. So we know how to respond. So let's just go out here and just take everything one play at a time. And second half it ended up working out for us for. I'm a little biased here because he played in high school with my kids, but being able to work against guys like Dewan Neal and, right. you know, Michael Joseph, being able to work against those guys every day in practice, we see how good they are right. in the game situations. But how much does working against those guys in practice right now help you all as a wide receiver group? I just talked to, which is crazy, I was just talking to one of the DBs probably about 15 minutes ago, and I was just telling them, Everything that they give us at practice makes the game so much slower for us because um, we feel like we have the best defensive back group in the league. Um, they've been putting it on tape, I feel like, week in, week out. So going against those guys every every day at practice most definitely like helps us for the game. Um, it allows us to go into the game more confident, knowing that we, we've got our best preparation from our own DB. So when we play somebody else, like we're just that much confident. Chris Blair of the undefeated D.C. Defenders back home this Sunday night against Vegas, a team they've already beaten in week two in Las Vegas. Audi Field, 7 o'clock again. Uh, tickets available. Uh, so go check out the atmosphere there. And, and obviously, we, you know, look, 
we're I'm sure you get this in every interview, in every walk of life. We can't ask, we, we can't ignore it. Like there seems to be a different level of crowd and a different level of experience at Audi Field. And I know you guys have only played one road game, but maybe you've seen some games on television in addition. Dude, it's it's nuts. I remember back in 2020, the first time the DC Defenders came around before the you know XFL 2.0 shut down, right? The pandemic and it was really crazy and and cool. It's so awesome to see three years later, two and a half years later, it has carried over and it might be even more insane. It's crazy, like yeah, the fans definitely play like a they play a huge part in our success, especially at home because like. It's almost kind of, it's like, it kind of give you like college vibes mm -hmm. for real. Um, as far as like with the fans, how loud they are, um, like the defender pride that they have, you know, like they have a winning team over there. So um, I told them after the game, I had to uh, meet a couple of people and things like that. And I told them, I was like, man, please keep coming and bringing that same energy every mm -hmm. week because it definitely plays like a major factor in like how the game turns out. Like they get us juiced up and then once we're all juiced up and doing what we're supposed to do, I feel like we're unstoppable. So they definitely help us a lot. Chris, for guys like yourself, guys like Dewan and others on the roster, Jordan Tayamu, um, who have had that cup of coffee, who've had that opportunity to be uh, in an NFL camp. It, it's guys like you that, grind through the JUCO and, and grind through the HBCU to try and keep getting better. Where What is the driving force for you? What keeps that grind going for you knowing that people know who you are because you've been there before and you know you may only be one snap or one injury away from being able to get back into somebody's camp and, and, and make a better impression? Exactly. Um, for me, I say what drives me well I've always been like a motivated person, like playing ball was something that I wanted to do since since a young child. So um, I knew that anything worth happening, like anything worth having, I know that I have to work for it. So um, I've just always continued to work, like work on my craft. Even if I've had a, a great game or a bad game, I'm still going to continue to like work the same, like put in my time of work. Um, and then for me, I say another driving force for me is I just had a kid. so. Um, for me, I feel like she she depends on me. Like, I mean, I'm not long, no longer living my life for me no more. I'm like I have somebody else that I have to take care of. So, um, just waking up every day knowing that I got to get up and go get it for my daughter. So, uh, those are like two things that drive me for real. Uh, congratulations on that, first of all. Um, Appreciate obviously, you. Uh, that is it's it's a wonderful fraternity. Pete and I are both dads, so we right. we understand what that pride. Uh, is like, um, I, yes, I want to ask you maybe a dumb question, so forgive me. Greg, <laughs> William, Greg Williams, your defensive coordinator, is an aggressive, blitzing, in-your-face kind of physical defense. You guys get after it, right? You already talked about going against some of the guys you do in practice. Right. As a receiver, do you like going against a more man-based defense, a more physical, aggressive, blitzing defense where you might be able to catch somebody, a corner on, on a double move, on just speed, on just size? Or would you rather try and find the holes in a maybe a cover three zone type situation? What do you prefer as a route runner and as a receiver? Um, for me, I'm just going to say I, I I'll take the man coverage. Uh, I just, for me, I'm just very confident in my ability. So any one-on-one, -on -one, I feel like if I'm 
if I'm lined up with a corner, I just feel like I'm going to beat them every time. Like, this is my mindset. Uh, it might not be the case. I might not win every rep, but like, I'm going to continue to have that mindset. But my, I'd probably say man coverage. I'd probably choose man coverage. Okay. Makes sense. Is that a case, too, of when, for you and the quarterback, is it just much easier against man coverage? Because either you beat your man or you don't uh, yeah. in, in a situation like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, just for me, I, I like man coverage because I in our offense, like if we see if we see like a one on one matchup, um, our coaches are very confident in us as receivers to to beat one on one coverage. So, um, for instance, my touchdown um, that I scored Sunday was actually a run play. Um, Derek looked out there and seeing I had one on one coverage, um, and they were just trying to just. It was really basically cover zero, so it had no safety for real. So it was just really me versus the corner. And uh, he looked out there and gave me uh, gave me a signal to run a different route, and that's what I did, and it was open. So just having that opportunity when they see one-on-one coverage like uh, and being locked in with the quarterback, being on the same page as him, um, definitely why we get our opportunities with those one-on-one matchups. So it's, it's interesting, and just to kind of combine off of that, I mean, that stuff comes with working together. And you said no preseason games. Right. Obviously, everybody was kind of thrown together, not at the last minute. I mean, I, right. you know, we talked to Coach Reggie Barlow a couple of times long before the season. I, we know they were working hard and all that stuff. But you mm-hmm. as players didn't get an opportunity to develop that chemistry, that maybe silent communication. How much better is it now, either in game or practice, than it was just even three weeks ago now that you played three games? Yeah, a whole lot better. Um, just being able to, go out there and um, just being able to sit no different things that uh, we knew, like we one we've been able to, we wouldn't have been able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, for timing purposes, uh, we hadn't been with each other that long, but uh, you can continue to see the improvements uh, each week. Uh, we're able to do a little bit more stuff. Um, Jordan can look out there. If he don't like a certain route versus a certain coverage, he can look out there and sit with me a different route and um, we'll make it work. So it's definitely came with like the more reps we have with each other. So that's including practice and in the game. So, yes, sir. For you as a football player, my first introduction to you was Celebration Bowl 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the week before was probably the happier experience when y'all beat Southern in a SWAT game, but two weeks of incredible football back to back between right. that SWAT game and the Celebration Bowl. Hey, you ever been involved? in games like that back-to-back, and what was it like to work with a guy like LaCharles Pringle down there at Alcorn as well? Man, Pringle's my guy. This, uh, Pringle, uh, I actually, when I got to Alcorn um, in 2018, Pringle was one of the first guys that I met, and um, he kind of showed me the ropes of how everything goes as far as on the football side. And um, and when when I was there, my, my junior year, I played the slot, so – um, it really kind of took away reps from Pringle. And then uh, my senior year with some injuries, I ended up getting moved outside and Pringle got his chance and he just like took off. Like, um, but yeah, man, 2019 Celebration Bowl, uh, probably my best game in college. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm only saying that because the record still stands uh, for the most receiving yards in the, in the Celebration Bowl. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So what, what was the question again? Like you asked you, I mean, I'm just, I mean, you ever been involved in two games like that back to back? Because I mean, you guys, even though you lost the Celebration Bowl game, because A and T, I mean, look, A and T had a couple of years there where they just had ridiculous clubs. Yeah. But you know, 64-44, and then beating Southern the week before that, you know what the SWAC championship right. game means. I mean, that's it. Right. We think these crowds are great here at Audi Field. That's yeah. nothing like in a SWAC yeah, championship it's, game. It's different. You know, especially when the Jaguars are involved too. So Hell yeah. I mean, Definitely. it's just that, that two two great weeks of football, uh-huh. and and now you're you're kind of living that environment again, you right. know, in a situation like this. Just how much fun is it? Because look, this is a grind, man. Right, this is Definitely. a grind. You're trying to make Definitely. this your living, but at the right. same time, you're trying to enjoy it and have some fun. Yeah, it's definitely fun. Um, like you said, like just the the Alcorn Southern environment. Um, we're already rivalries anyway. They don't like right. us. We don't like them. But um, we us playing each other in the championship game is like a it's a different feel than then just. Obviously, us winning that game and then going into the next week and playing North Carolina Antique in Atlanta and Mercedes Benz Stadium, like, like it's that's fun. So like, I'm really looking forward to this upcoming week because, like you said, it's it's rare where you have like two like back to back exciting games like this. So we got this upcoming week versus Vegas, a team we didn't already play. We know they're gonna give us their best shot because uh, they're still trying to win their first game, and with us. We still feel like we still have something to prove to the fans and the rest of the world. So, like, we're going to give it our all. They're going to give it their all. And I feel like it's going to be another great week at Audi. Absolutely. Chris Blair, the 3-0 and D.C. Defenders, again, back home Sunday night at Audi Field against Vegas, as we were just talking about, the Week 2 matchup. Obviously, one of the wins. Um, and they shoot for 4-0. and um, So, I want to ask you this. Uh, I know you were with – I'm going to ask you two separate NFL questions uh, that okay. you, you've either been involved with, uh, but I'm going to ask one first and then uh, get your answer. And then I'll ask the second one. One, right. you're with the green Bay Packers organization for a little bit of time. Yes, sir. I don't know if you, how much interaction, if any, with Aaron Rodgers, is he as weird as he seems? Uh, <laughs> is he as weird as he seems? No, nah, Aaron Rodgers is one of the coolest people I've met. Actually. Okay. Um, I think what people don't know, like he's, He's really not a media guy. He really like, he really doesn't really just care for the media. Like you could be in the locker room and like he's playing around with the players. He's just like cool, you know. And then uh, the moment that the cameras and in the, in the interview people come around, he just like you can see his whole mood change. But no, nah, I was there for a year. I was there for a year and then like half of OTAs. Right. So like with being there with him, like. He's actually a cool dude. Taught me a lot about the game, um, about reading defenses and things like that, like what he's looking for in a receiver, stuff like that. So um, I, I, don't feel, I don't feel like he's weird as everybody thinks he is. All right. Interesting. I'm glad I asked that. Uh, and by the way, the right. media is not all bad. Just, just <laughs> right, right, say right, for the right. record. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, don't, we don't bite, Chris. We're, we're rooting for you, and we're rooting for the D.C. defenders, and I guess Aaron Rodgers, too. The second question, I, I saw right. you tweet about this. When Eric Bieniemy got the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator job, you're like, you know, that man should be a head coach, and I think that's the sentiment, obviously, of most. When you watch an offensive coordinator, say a Bieniemy or uh, whoever it might be, uh, Matt LaFleur, who was calling right. plays with Nathaniel, whatever, what are you looking for in terms of them maximizing your skill 
how they match up with you, whether they know what kind of player you are, what kind of routes you best run. How does that all, that, that whole dynamic, how does that work? Do you approach them? Do they approach you? Take me a little bit inside that if you can. Um, for me, um, when I go with, uh, when I get to an officer coordinator, like my thing is I like to try to figure out what they like to do. Mm-hmm. Like what's their actual game plan and try to see how can I fit into the system that they have laid out. Um, like here, Fred Kice, um, they actually recruited me to Alcorn. So I actually kind of came in knowing the system, like knowing the plays and things like that, knowing how I would be used and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's more about just trying to, cause you really can't control like who's your coordinator and things like that. Um, Obviously, you let them know, like, I let them know, like, Coach, I feel like I can make a difference, you know. Like, um, if you put the ball in my hands, I'm going to make a play. Um, but just trying to find out, like, okay, how can I make plays in his system? Like, where do I need to be? Like, which spot do I need to be? Or, how, like, how can I get the ball to, you know, to be able to help this team to win? So, like, I feel like this situation here worked out for me because, like I said, been knowing Coach Kais for, well, since 2017. So, um, being in a system where I know he knows what I can do and I know what he's capable of calling as an office coordinator is like making everything work out how it's supposed to. Let you out on this. How unique is this experience? And Greg Williams kind of put it in perspective in a post game interview the other night when y'all were playing in DC and he goes, Yeah, we're going to fly back home and then we're going to, you know, come back. The fact that you all are basically headquartered right now in Texas right. and then, you know, flying to the respective cities. Uh, to to play these games, how how different is that type of dynamic? Uh, it's different, but at the same time, I think it's it's pretty cool though. I mean, all of us. Um, what's crazy? Like we have, I have a lot of different team, people that I play with, like that I play with in the NFL or like on the college level. This like spread out across the XFL. So like being actually all of us being stationed in Dallas. Uh, allows me time to kind of spend time with them and catch up with those guys. But um, I think everybody pretty much feels the same way. Uh, just being able to, like, still be able to travel to these different places, like cities you never thought you'd be able to play in. Like, I never imagined myself playing in Washington, D.C. So um, just being able to go to these different places week in, week out, uh, this is make you grateful for the experience. Actually, I have one quick one to add on to that. Do you guys, like, when you play in Washington, like you did on Sunday and this Sunday night, do you fly back with the St. Louis Battlehawks back to Dallas, or is it separate flights? Is that, how does nah, that work? No, nah, we we all ride the same plane. Right, okay, that's what I <laughs> okay. So, basically, the home the home team sits at the front of the plane, and the away team sits at the okay. back. Uh, so, luckily, we got to sit at, we get to sit at the front of the plane again, so, since we come <laughs> to audience, we, so... Uh yeah, that's how that's how it is. Okay. I just be it'd be weird though because like we three and no right now, so every team who we rode with hasn't had like a pleasant ride back to Dallas. <laughs> yeah. And you guys had a little brouhaha at the end of the game, so that must yeah. have been a little weird on the plane too, right? Yeah, it was, but at the same time it wasn't. Uh the XFL did a good job of okay. uh league officials being able to come and talk to us like right after the game and just congratulating us, but like letting us know to not waste this opportunity, like don't waste this moment uh, over a little brawl. So um, they did a good job of it. And then I think after the game, everybody had pretty much like kind of made up because they, they, want, they didn't want us to shake hands. And um, they was trying to send everybody to the locker room, but 
we all ended up going to shake hands anyway and stuff mm-hmm. like this. So I think pretty much everybody had kind of let go of the, the brawl stuff. So. It's good to know everybody can still be an adult. We're just competing, trying to win a game. We can all be adults afterwards, my friend. Chris, appreciate the time, my friend. Best of luck to you and your teammates, and uh, good luck getting to 4-0 this week. Thank you, sir. Thank you all for having me. Thanks, Chris. Good luck. That is Chris Blair. Great interview. Great insight about the league. And it truly is, in nature, Chris, a barnstorming-type tour. Both teams on the same plane. I was so curious about that. Going back home, he said, the winners sit up front and the losers sit in the back. How do you think that feels like after you just get your brains beat out for three hours that you got to sit in the back of the plane? It's it's interesting. No doubt about that. But um, little uh, little nuggets in there that, you know, takes you kind of inside what's going on in this league right Mm -hmm. now. And, um, yeah, they do get on the same plane and fly back with each other, so everybody better behave. I mean, Las Vegas and Washington flying up, I presume, tomorrow for a Sunday night game, yeah. 7 o'clock, right? I mean, Sure. You're not um, trying to you're not trying to hotel these guys for two days in DC. Exactly, sure. and I don't know what the you know how they do the living situation down there in Dallas. All I know is obviously that's where the league is headquartered at least for now. Uh, and, and we had told you that seven months before it became official, uh, because you know I happen to know some people that <laughs> happen to know things. Um, but the bottom line is that is kind of weird, right? Hop back on the plane at uh, one o'clock in the morning Sunday night into Monday. After you just beat a team 17-14 or whatever, maybe not walk down that aisle towards that bathroom. Yeah. Uh, you want to head to the front. Stay up front. Exactly. If you're if you're the ho if you're the winning team, yeah. you stay up in the bathroom up front. If you're the losing team, you well, all take. Well, it's not take... the winning team, right? It's the home team and the road team. Right? I thought it was winning and uh, maybe it is the. I home thought it was the home yeah. and, and road. It could be. Maybe I misunderstood. That. Either way, okay. that Either way. it's determined. You know, specifically, one team sits up front mm-hmm. and one team sits in the back. Got some NFL news to get yeah. to. We've got some prominent receivers that are going to end up on the market. The mm-hmm. Eagles uh, trying to figure out what to do with all those defensive talent that mm-hmm. uh, right now find themselves available. And another prominent one, been given uh, you know the opportunity to seek a trade, and oh yeah, Commanders sale news. All of that in touchdown at ten when we return right here on the Team Nine Eighty streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Halfway home on a Friday morning, first hour we spent on the Georgetown coaching change. This hour, talking football. Chris Blair joined us in the last segment. DC Defenders wide receiver. A lot of great insights about the league. Go back and hit rewind on the Odyssey app. Maddie will have it up on the podcast as well. When you call in today at 301-230-0980, make sure you wish Matt a happy birthday. Chris, sales news, allegedly, and again, because we backtrack all the way to when uh, allegedly Dan's people leaked the news out there to Forbes way back, said, oh, yeah, we're going to get $7 billion. So we take all this with a grain of salt. But NFL owners are, you know, alleging that the commander's sale is going just fine and that the dollar figures are looking good right now because they care. <laughs> they want those franchises just like selling a house. If your house goes for good money, that means your franchise mm-hmm. rises in value. Saying the, the sale price is good and uh, it looks like bidders that they would be happy with as well. And right now it seems as if there is really a big push to try and get this done before the owners' meetings at the end of the month, which means time is of the essence. Right, but it being March 10th right now, if Gasparino's report is correct, and I have no reason to think that it's not, 
if the NFL wants final bids in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. Pete, that tells me one thing. There's no chance, zero, that this thing gets voted on at the league meetings at the end of this month, no, which, which right. starts in, in two and a half weeks. I think, I, first of all, I think it's become pretty clear. It's become pretty clear. Unless someone comes out of nowhere, you know, at the last minute mm. that no one sees coming. We know who's bidding on the team. The people that are interested in the team have made their interests known. Mm-hmm. And now is time to put up or shut up. It's time to move this along and facilitate this thing because, A, the team needs to get on with its business. Mm-hmm. Ron and the sure. football side need to be able Absolutely. to get on with um, you know potential situations here in the offseason. Oh, I'm, sh- they- I'm sure Jason Wright has been on the phone with Roger Goodell like frequently saying, hey, listen, Whatever happens here, we gotta, you know, we gotta move along. Jason's right? trying to sell tickets. I need to sell yes. tickets. <laughs> and, and and selling tickets is going to increase and make Jason's life easier when Dan is out. Oh, no doubt. But, well, Jason's so, probably frothing at the mouth. Here's my question. I don't know the answer. I'm sure they are. Do you like in order to speed this process along, when I say there's no chance that they vote on it at the end of March in the league meetings that everybody was hoping would be the big event? I guess I shouldn't say 0% chance because I would assume the league as a whole and their finance department has been vetting. See, that's the key. Uh, um, uh, Harris. Josh Harris. Yeah, and Fertitta. And, all and these Fertitta people. and all yeah. these people, right? I yeah. mean, I don't know how much vetting you do of Jeff Bezos, but. Well, I mean, you got to make sure it's not funny money. Right, I mean, but again, right. that's. Uh, I mean, look, just like they talked about with Dan, you know, trying to allege that Dan has cooked the books and all this other yeah. stuff. You know, you got to make sure that it's not funny money. Right. You got to make sure that everything checks out. But I fully believe they've vetted all these people. Right. They've had an idea of who's involved. Now they've had a chance, I'm sure, you know, as this process is going along, they're vetting, you know, the rails right now just to make sure right. that, right. you know, everything there is, you know, what it seems to be. Could you see a scenario where they make an announcement at the league meetings at the end of this month? Boom, Dan Snyder has well, yeah, sold I mean, to, I, definitely. You know, I, I think you could. I think you could get the, hey, to, these two sides have agreed to a framework of a deal, and, you know, we we will try to help facilitate this on our end as much as possible so we can, you know, vote on it and allow the franchise to move forward. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think you could get something like that. Would you it know, be okay if, if it's not official for you at the end of March? Yeah, I mean, look, look again, it's as long as you know you have a framework of a deal. Right. Then Ron and his football side can at least have conversations, you know, with the the ownership to say, hey, how 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 aggressive can we be, mm. you know, it in trying to work deals? Because if you get it done by the end of March, mm. even though you'll have missed out on the initial wave of free agency right. still doesn't oh, preclude yeah. you from potentially making trades in the month leading up to the draft and Absolutely. around the draft to try and help your club. And if you can be aggressive, if you're allowed to be aggressive, it, it gives Ron and Martin Mayhew a, a, a much better idea of what kind of players they can go chase. Do they have to chase cheaply? Do they have to, you know, like, one-year deal guys? Mm-hmm. Or can they try to make an even bigger splash and a bigger move somewhere down the line? Well, right now, I think their modus operandi is one-year deals and prove-it-to-me type situations, which is essentially one-year deals. That's right now 
my understanding of their of their mentality and their modus operandi. So what you're saying is, say we get to Phoenix in a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. we get uh, on the podium, you get Uncle Raj, you get T, because Dan is a coward and won't show his face anywhere. Stop calling him names. I'm sorry. Um, and and he's afraid. He, he, he doesn't want to face the bullets. He knows that he's embarrassed and brought down the league. He's ruined the shield. Okay? But Still anyway, going to walk away with a lot of money even I, after he course. pays everybody off. You know, it doesn't take a lot of brains to walk away with a lot of money or to make a lot of money. I, I mean, it takes a lot of luck and good fortune. Uh, that being said, that being said, we could see a press conference T, Jason, Raj, and said new owner or owners. I don't think okay? anybody from the Snyder regime will be there. Oh, I think so. No, I do not. You don't, really? Not at all. At the league meetings or at the press conference? At the press conference. Why wouldn't they? I don't. I, 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 I mean, Chris, Dan's, again, Dan doesn't have the stones to both, do it. Uh, Chris, both of them loathe public speaking. There's no I think chance. Tanya likes it a little bit more than Dan. Uh, By may, the way, you know who it's does not. Look, dude, it's not hard to like it more than Dan. Yeah, I know. By the way, you know who doesn't like to do interviews, apparently? Mitchell Rails. Okay. Uh, like like it, the first couple of paragraphs of a Washington Post story that I read yesterday uh, that um, uh, my buddy Teresh sent from Tegna, who finds great stuff. This was from a couple years back about like how he and his wife met, whatever. They apparently had an argument because she wouldn't do he wouldn't do an interview to promote their art gallery. <laughs> and he's like, I haven't done it. Inter- I don't talk. I don't do it. So this guy, and by the way, there was another story. I don't know. Okay, I, 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 I don't know where it we'll was. Send Josh Harris to the to the to the you know. Apparently, the brother does. I remember yesterday, I kept mm-hmm. saying, you know, we don't know. The brother's got you know his co-founder, co-owner. The, apparently, the brother. I, I haven't seen the story, but somebody said it somewhere this morning. Maybe on the junks. I can't remember. She and. Uh, that the brother wants nothing apparently to do with sports ownership. Mm-hmm. So apparently, it's, it's just, just Mitchell Rills, yeah, sure. which is how it was reported. I just kind of wondered if he was just maybe the front face or whatever, and the brother would hop in. I, I don't. I don't look as I've told you all along. I don't need my owner to be Jerry Jones. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, Josh, Josh Harris, Harris is not going to be that if, either. Jo- right? Yeah. Look, if Josh yeah. Harris wants to be the front man just one time a year, like Steve Bishotti mm-hmm. does, hey, I'm cool with that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need Mitch Rails out there as well uh, speaking. I just need him to make sure he helps provide resources uh, to my football coach and my football general manager, my football front office, so they can go make competent moves to make my football team better, which then makes them more money. I mean, this is a real – people overcomplicate things, Chris. We don't need to be like Jerry Jones. As much as I like, I like it when Jerry Jones talks, okay? I think it's cool. That's fine. That's his personality. That's his tact. But I also love the way Steve Bashotti does it. You get me one time a year. Mm-hmm. I have my head coach there. I have my general manager and my team president there. We're all available to you in one time. So I'm not going to sit here and say something, you know, behind my coach's back or my general manager or team president's back. I'm right here publicly talking to you with them on the stage. That way we're perfectly clear as to what my answers are to certain questions. I think what Steve Bashotti does is perfect. Okay. If Josh Harris takes over here, you know, with the Rails investment and and even others that may be his minor shareholders, if Josh takes that tact and does it one time a year, hey man, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need him to be in the locker room after the game if he's not comfortable with doing that. Oh, that, I, no yeah, I don't want that. You know, 
But, uh, but just, hey, just make sure my coach has the resources and my general manager has the resources mm-hmm. to do what they need to do. Make sure Jason Wright has the resources he needs to do from a business standpoint to try and make the, the situation better, short-term at FedEx Field, long-term wherever they build a, a new stadium. Just provide my people resources and let them go to work improving the product here. That's all I need. But right now, Chris, the money, the money is lining up in a way where th- this is a really good thing. This is a really good thing. You have people that are very financially solvent here that are going to be able to provide resources you need to compete with the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. And and that's that's the encouraging thing here. It's not like we're, we've got people that are you know spending every last penny just to get to the bid that they need to have, and then they have no money, and they're waiting on money to come in before they can provide resources. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the case here. This group and this partnership, if it does indeed become the winning bid, appears to have the finances necessary to provide them a chance to win and do the things they need to do to win. And I think that's very important in terms of who the owner ends up being, is not only meeting the necessary finances to make a bid and to secure the team, but then having the money to be able to actually do something with it once you get it. Right. And to build the new stadium. At some point, yes. No, at, like at now at point. Some po- right, I know. But at, at this s- point. Look, Chris, we don't even, first of all, A, we don't even know where they're going to build it. I know. We're, we're, that, that, is, but you, that is still. Isn't that priority number one, though? I mean, you got to no, I mean, you got to no, get the deal no. done so Priori- that you can get the shovel in the ground. No, but yes, priority number one is to make this football team better. Okay, but. Priority number but, one is to make this team better. We can't be eight, eight, and one no, I, and trying to beat it. the teams in our division. All right, so here's so here, if they suck, it doesn't matter where you build a stadium. People still aren't going to come. All right, so a new owner, okay? I, 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 so a new owner can only control that, right, from a financial standpoint, or can they control it from another standpoint, meaning coming in and blowing everybody out and changing the entire operation. In your eyes. like Say that for, again? Okay. Put the stadium project aside for right now. Mm-hmm. A new owner can affect winning and winning, hopefully, not winning and losing, but winning and well, losing they can in affect, general. They can, okay. they can affect winning and but, losing by not giving them resources. Okay. Be well, well, that's a what I'm saying. Loser. But, but can, they, can they, the immediate effect that mm-hmm. they can have is to either green light a bunch of money and cash flow so that you can sign potential big-time free agents, uh, Darius Slay, who you just mentioned. They need a corner? Hey, go out and hurt the Eagles and sign frickin' Darius Slay, okay? Yeah, but that, that would have to be a trade I, right now. Uh, well, well, right. Okay. They've given you, Drew Rosenhaus right, an opportunity. Uh, Diana Rossini said you, you're the right. Eagles have given him a chance. Now, Bradbury. Well, but they might, but they might cut him. I, I mean, uh, if they can't work a trade, they might cut him. Uh, well, Bradbury is a free Bradbury agent. Bradbury is a free point. agent. Okay, but but what I'm saying is, new ownership mm-hmm. agreed to the deal, finalized. Again, the agree is going to have to come before the finalization, of course. But like you said, maybe when you agree to a deal and that's in place and that's bona fide by the NFL, maybe then Ron and Jason can start talking. Hey, we we want to go after uh, Lamar Jackson in April. Okay, will you green light us $50 million so we can pay him a $50 million upfront signing bonus or whatever? Okay, so so that's the way ownership can control winning and losing or having the chance to win and lose immediately in your eyes, correct? Yes. The only, the only other way, am I missing something here, that they could affect winning and losing is to say, you know what? 
what all of you have done under very trying circumstances, sorry, not good enough. You're all out. Well, uh, yes, because, I mean, let's face it. Somebody was talking to Sean Payton. Yes. Okay. So and, somebody and, was and we to don't Sean know if that somebody was Sean, uh, Josh Harris. Hey, Chris, remember, all the way back at the beginning of this Dan Snyder era, Dan had plenty of resources. Dan dedicated plenty of resources uh, to this football team. Right. But Dan hired the wrong, the wrong people. Yes. He hired the wrong people right. and they burned him. Well, that that's the that's the other problem. So that's With the com- problem. That could happen here. Right. Com- coming in commando style and no no pun intended and, and blowing everybody out and thinking you have all the answers and then hiring the wrong people. Yeah. Now, I'd like to believe, I'd like to believe that Josh Harris says because of the way he has structured his other teams. I mean, look at the Jersey Devils. I mean, that team is badass. They can skate. They can skate like the wind. They are one of the fastest, if not the fastest team in the league. They win almost all of their road games, and they went toe-to-toe, obviously, with the Capitals last night and came away with the extra point with their triple-A goaltender on the road. Okay, now it was a shootout. I mean, Caps have nothing to be embarrassed about. But my point being is, like, they, Lindy Ruff, veteran coach, been around, won a ton of games, seen it all, whatever. They've built through the draft. Speed, 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 speed. The 76ers. I mean, I don't like some of the things that they've done, but they realized, man, we got a major problem with Ben Simmons. He sucks. That guy's cancer. That guy's poison. Ooh. Get him out. Harsh accusations. Well, I'm, it's Russell, the truth. The it's the truth. I mean, I'm sorry. That's the truth. Josh Harris greenlighted that. Yeah. So I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get at. See, I think the stadium project is very much like Chris. It's one, an important one A. Right. It's an important thing. But again, the most important thing always is the product that you're putting on the field, because if you win. If you win, we can put more butts in the seats at FedEx, and then wherever we build this new stadium, people are still going to come. Yes. They're going to show up because the product is worth going to. If, you're you, willing do, if to pay, you do it right. Look, you're willing to pay overpriced tickets for an entertainer's concert because you really enjoy their music, okay? that Every time they show up, they put on a good show. Well, if the football team is putting on a good show, then whether it's at FedEx Field, whether it's at this new stadium, wherever they build it, People are going to show up because the product that is on the field has people enthusiastic. You want to be a part of it because your friends are talking about it. Your people are talking about it at the water cooler every day. Hey, did you go to the Commanders game the other day? That was a great win over Philadelphia. You know, all of a sudden people in their marketplace go, oh, well, yeah, I need to get back out there. I need to get out to the stadium, and I need to see that Mm -hmm. because the product itself, no matter what, okay? Remember, the Baltimore Orioles have one of the greatest baseball stadiums in captivity. When that team looked like a double-A baseball team, 6,000 people were showing up at it. Okay, So job number one is always the product on the field and finding 53 men that want to go out here and ball out every Sunday and play high-quality football. All right, I have a couple of counters to that that I want to get to after, and we'll get some calls. Chris has a look at what's trending. All right, as we've been talking about the last half an hour or so, Charles Gasparino, Fox Business Channel, who's been involved in a lot of the reporting, says uh, that the NFL wants final bids in, quote, the next couple of weeks. 
to make the late March owners meeting a soft deadline, meaning probably not going to be officially or formally improved, maybe an announcement coming up at the end of this month. He also reports at least one potential billionaire bidder has dropped from consideration recently because of fears of getting into a bidding war that would push the team's price. It has been said that Tillman Fertitta uh, is and possibly is that particular bidder that Gasparino is referring to. As we also told you, the Eagles allowing star corner Darius Slay to seek a trade, according to Diana Rossini of ESPN, has a $26 million cap hit, but no guaranteed money. Eagles have a ton of defensive free agents, including Fletcher Cox, uh, Javon Hargrave, and his fellow cornerback co- counterpart, uh, James Bradbury Capitals with a shootout loss again uh, to the Devils last night, as we just kind of mentioning a good effort by the boys, but coming up short now, a back-to-back trip to New York. The Capitals just announcing moments ago that they will honor Alex Ovechkin in a pregame ceremony on March 21st before the game against Columbus. His entire family will be there, including his mom, who just lost of course, her husband a couple of weeks ago. And finally, the Philadelphia Flyers firing GM and president of hockey operations, Chuck Fletcher, today. And that's what's trending. We'll take your call. Start at 11 o'clock hour. Counter, please, Mr. Russell. All right. So if you are, if you're the new owner, okay, and you come in and you say, we're going to give you everything you need, everything you need, whatever you want, you manage the salary cap, what have you. We're going to give you every opportunity. Are they making the right decision doing that versus being conservative, not allowing people with questionable decision-making to just have at it and go hog wild? Meaning, should they... Should they green light, hey, whatever you feel like you need, whatever you want to spend, as long as it's legal and complicit with the salary cap, go ahead and do it. Or should they, whoa, 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 maybe not fire anybody right away, but hit the pause button and say, before we green light big expenses and before we make a decision on your future, we need to be conservative here and we need to have time to evaluate. Meaning, what should be the approach? Because before I greenlight Ron Rivera to spend gobs and gobs of money, uh-uh, no chance. Well, first of I, all, I, I'm being I'm being fiscally conservative and football conservative because you don't want to make the mistakes that Dan made right away. And if I don't want to blow everybody out right away, which is more than fair, I don't want Ron Rivera and his crew who have proven, demonstrated that. They've hit on some, but not enough. And they've done okay in some, but not enough. And in plenty of cases, and you need look no further than Carson Wentz and William Jackson III. No further, and maybe even Chase Young. No further well, than that. 
What would you? So, so if I said that to you, as Pete Pistol Pete Medhurst, fan of the Commanders, what would you? What would you want? What would you believe is the right thing to do? When it comes to my sports, I would rather you be democratic or independent. Okay, we're spending money. We're spending money. We're not just blindly. Not Chris, it's not blindly. Sure it is. How is it you blindly? Know, because I the, know whether a guy's a good football player or you not. You do? I'm gonna You you know you just said well, if you they thought go William with, Jackson the third was gonna be a good football go, player but, here. So did they. So did I. Everybody misses. Okay. So my point it's is, is when they have demonstrated miss it's after miss blindly. after miss. If you want me to trade for Darius Slay, if you want to give me permission to trade for Darius Slay, is he an upgrade over the corners I have in yes. my room? Of course he On is. On paper so that's and not in theory, blindly. yes. But Pete, that's not that, blindly. That's so the was wrong William term. Jackson. So was William Jackson, and it failed. It was a miserable failure because they didn't use him the way he was supposed to be used. That's a apparently. but that's a bad football decision. Okay, that's but a, the that's same a, people that you're now asking that fire you're giving a green them. light. Well, okay, fire that's them. That's what I'm asking the question. It's Do not you blindly. fire them blindly? Do you fire them just because? you fire them because you want to clean the slate? Do you give them the unfiltered green light or do you go whoa? If let's you feel be a little conservative. If you feel they are worthy to coach the 2023 season and manage the 2023 season, then give them the ability to go get the 53 guys they need to win football okay, games. Okay, here's the thing. They're not making this decision on January 1st. They're making this decision on let's just call it April 1st. You still have an opportunity the draft is at the end of the month. You still have an opportunity either via trade or uh, through some semblance of free agency, that second wave of free agency, to go out and make some deals to help your club. Sure. Nickel and dime, ham sandwich type deals. You could tr- you make a, Chris, this- you can make a trade draft day that's pretty significant. Okay, but Pete, do you want this team? Do you want this team, going? Uh, this head coach, this general then manager? fire them, Chris. Pete. Fire you, okay, them. Th- that's if such a Neanderthal simplistic no, way of looking not. at it. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Because there's nobody that's going to take Chris, over on April 5th. You're full of it. How am I full of it? First of all, first of all, you can find people to take over. Who? You can find people to Who? take over. Eric Bieniemy could be your head coach. Uh, what, maybe he doesn't know personnel. What makes us think that he knows personnel? The guy's coached with, uh, oh in par- as part of a great organization so, for ten years. So just because of that, that means he's. A, a we GM don't have savant? to give it. We don't have to give him personnel control. Well, who's going to get it then, Chris? You can find people. There are people sitting out right now that don't that that are sitting waiting. Oh, in the wings. you want Bill Polian? No. That, but you can go. Why can you can go hire somebody's what, assistant? Jeff Ireland. You can go hire somebody's assistant general manager right now. What, why not go to a Kansas? So, go to a Kansas City and find an assistant general manager. So an assistant GM is just going to walk right in the door on April fifteenth and spearhead the draft and and whatever's left of free agency. Chris, how the hell do you? They've been doing the same work for their own organization. This is not rocket science. Uh, it's, it's this it's is a not lot, rocket it's science. A lot bigger than that. No, it's not. If you ask that question, it's very simple. You either trust them to go forward with the twenty twenty three season or you don't. There's a reason why one of these groups was talking to Sean Payton. Okay, different time frame. Doesn't matter if you don't. If you feel that they're they are the worthy group to go forward to coach twenty twenty three and manage twenty twenty three, that you give them the wherewithal that they need to get that done and build a roster. Final hour. Your calls next 301-230-0980, right here on the Team nine eighty streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.